people don't quite understand what the point of this stuff is. One, it's fun. It has to be fun. So if you don't like it, f you. Yale. Yeah. Yale. Yep. So when did you graduate? Uh, 2010. Okay. What'd you study? Uh, political science. Oh, okay. Yeah. Were yeah. You, I wanted to do like business, but it was like liberal arts school. So that was like right. the closest to like something I was, you know, somewhat interested in. So, so what like, take me on that journey then from like Yale to the teams, where did you grow up? Grew up in Indiana. Okay. Yeah. So just Midwest guy got to go to Yale. You know, I was planning on doing the Navy out of high school. Mm -hmm. That was the plan. I was talking to recruiters, like, you know, you know, like they would like come to high school and like have little booths like at lunch and stuff. And I'd right. always be the guy like, you know, talking to them like the whole lunch break. But, uh, so I was planning on doing it out of high school and then, um, football was progressing. So like my parents were kind of like, Hey, why don't you go get your education? And then if you still want to do that thing, then you can, you know, go do it. Right. Um, and for me, it was nine 11. I was in eighth grade when nine 11 happened. And that's what planted the seed to like serve. Um, so I was like, all right, that's a fair deal. So I got to go play football there for four years. And then I actually went and worked for Red Bull for four years, did marketing for them, which was awesome. Honestly, a lot of, I think of what I've been able to do with born primitives from stuff I learned from right. them, like at brand marketing, like they're yeah. the best in the game. Um, and, um, so I, I started working for them while I was kind of rehabbing some football injuries and the plan was to go in and they had a bunch of family pressure. They were like from, I was married at the time. So her side and then my parents were like, so against it, mainly my mom, my dad was kind of indifferent. <laughs> so I ended up kind of shelving it for a while and then being like, and, but then I just was occupying my mind just 24 seven. So I started like kind of secretly training again for it, like sneaking away to the pool and like, you know, tying myself up, you know, and doing all that stuff. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I remember one time my, uh, my wife at the time, Mallory, who's the co-founder of born primitive, um, she like found like wet rope in my gym bag <laughs> and was like, what, why is there wet rope in your gym bag? <laughs> and I'm like, Hmm, I might have to just come clean on this one. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, like, that, like, that's, a, that's an awkward yeah, scenario yeah. for you to be in where your wife is going, what's this wet <laughs> rope from? Like, obviously you want the, the, this to be, Oh, I'm training to go into the Navy, but then again, it might not be, or you're like, Oh, um, I was tying some people up and drowning <laughs> yeah, exactly, them. You know? like, yeah. I don't know. So, um, yeah, then I eventually got back in the, the, you know, the application pipeline and did the whole thing. And then I remember I was going to officer candidate school in like June of 2014. And I told my mom on mother's day. So that would have been May of 2014. Oh. Cause I just gave her the letter and I was like, happy mother's yeah, day. Yeah. As, as she was like literally leaving, like that, like, you know, she came down for dinner and like with my dad. And then, so then I, yeah, went, went and did that. Um, and, uh, that's kind of how it got started, man. Did you go straight through buds? I did. Yeah. 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 So like, you know, taking a, a four year hiatus out of like athletics, because, because did you play the entire time when you were there? Yeah, I did. Yeah. You I, played li linebacker? Yeah. I was middle linebacker. Okay. Yeah. So I, I eventually, like when I got out or uh, graduated, um, I took up CrossFit to train mm -hmm. for, yeah. for buds and all that. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I still stayed competitive. I, you know, I, I competed at the CrossFit games one year and, um, what year was that? That was 2013. Okay. Yeah. I kind of just fluke it. You know, it, I joined a gym that was super competitive and they're like, Hey, you, you know, or somewhat athletic and strong. Like we can teach you how to do all the gymnastic stuff. And I needed to learn how to run. That was my, right. that was the only reason I started CrossFit. Cause like I was like 240 pounds. So like I was good at everything, but like the run killed me. You know what I mean? Just yeah, you're I'm, a huge person. <laughs> like, how much do you walk around in now? I'm about 240. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So I cut about, um, I cut down to 205 for the one and a half mile test. 
Um, because the first year I did it, I ran like a nine fifty, and I was like, that, they were like, yeah, that's not even close. I mean, a mile and a half. So it's like, that's not slow, but it's not what Wait, they What's need. a good time for, uh, you know, they said to be competitive for the, like the, like the officer pipeline, yeah. you need to be like, ideally like eight thirty. No, they said no higher than nine for okay. a mile and a half with yeah, boots, yeah. with, you know, you're wearing boots. Right. Um, so I dropped down to like two Oh five, like just for that test and like crushed it. Cause obviously I lost like 35 pounds yeah. and then I got back up to like two thirty. you know, so I just <laughs> went right back to it. Um, but yeah, so I, I got in the system and then, you know, I actually started BP like two months before I joined the Navy. So terrible timing. I was like running it out of my room, my barracks room, like with one bar of service, like, you know what I mean? Like that kind of shit. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause I remember yeah. hearing about it uh, a few years ago. And I think I, I forget exactly. I think Baker might've brought it up and um, it's like, Oh, he's still in the Navy. I was like, what? still in the Navy and he's running this. And uh, it seemed like a, a big business. So like, like how long, so what year did you start? We started it in 2014. So yeah, we're, yeah. we're coming up okay. on the 10 year anniversary. Um, but yeah, the, the first six years, it was just, I mean, I guess you could consider it a side hustle, but it was just Mallory and I running mm -hmm. it out of the house. Um, and then, you know, as you know, like every hour you're not doing your military job, you're just doing born primitive. Like that's, yeah. that's just how it was. Um, and then eventually like it took over the entire house. Like there were literally boxes to the ceiling in every guest bedroom. Yeah. Of course the garage was, our garage was our fulfillment center. So we had like shelves everywhere and, you know, you know so then uh, we eventually were like, all right, let's, we leased a warehouse that was like, I thought was massive. It was like 4,000 square feet. And then we quickly grew out of that and we started hiring employees. And then before I know it, like four years later, it's like we have 70 employees in like multiple warehouses and, you know, distributors all over the world. So right. it got pretty crazy. Um, and, you know, at the eight year mark, I had to make a decision of like, all right, I'm getting more senior in the military. You know what I mean? Like you're, you know, the, the, the responsibilities are growing. The business is growing now. I'm now in charge of payroll and benefits for over 70 people. You know, like the, the burden on my shoulders was getting bigger yeah. and I realized, and I had a kid on the way. So I was like, yeah. all right, I can't do all three of those things at the level I think is appropriate. You know what I mean? So I was like, I gotta, I gotta take one off the plate and obviously right. the kid's coming. So that's there. And I think born primitive, you know, I owe it to the employees to, you know, kind of stay at the helm. So eventually, you know, got out at about the eight year mark and um, just pivoted full-time CEO. So finally good to have one job. Yeah. Isn't that nice? Yeah. <laughs> like well, I transitioned, you know, away from the agency and then started this. Well, very soon after, if not, like actually they're they overlapping. So my wife was like boxing coffee and I was like roasting coffee in the garage. She was boxing it. She was doing customer service. So we were running all of this out of our house. And I also had another startup and I was working still at the time as a contractor for the agency. So I had like three different fucking jobs. So you get and, it. You get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So everybody that like that's listening to this and, and it's, you know, it's truly humbling when I hear other people are like, Hey man, I started a business because, you know, I heard your story. And one of the goals I try to do is like, like force multiply through action, which is like leadership in the, in the context of, I'm not going to give leadership seminars. It's more of, this is what I'm doing. So actions speak louder than words, but it's also be careful what you ask for. Totally. Right. I say that all the time, man. Be careful what you ask for, because I'll, I'll give you guys an example. I've done some relatively hard things in my life. I've been put in some situations where most people would psychologically, emotionally, and physically like fold up into a fucking paper airplane and fucking fly themselves into the, the human garbage can. Two, the last two years of this business, has, it was probably the most difficult task I've ever had in my life. Not probably, it was. And 
So business, just just in general, the complexity and the problem solving that you have to deal with, with with you know government regulations to human psychology to, to hiring and firing and all the things that you have to do while maintaining profitability, and then also the restrictions that a lot of people don't necessarily see. I guess the the question that I have is like, or I should say, talk a little bit about the the differences between the stress that you had in the teams and the stress that you have in business and how have you dealt with it? Yeah. I mean, dude, that's so spot on. And I, I've talked about that on our podcast before. It's like one of those things, it's like, be careful what you wish for. Um, and I always speak, there's a, there's a thing called the honor foundation in Virginia beach and they take a bunch of like transitioning soft guys. And like, right. it's their, like they learn how to like write resumes and interview. And they always bring in a few like team guy entrepreneurs to speak to the guys. And they always ask about like, a lot of them are fired up about being entrepreneurs, right? And they're like, you know, these are guys that have done 20 and they're, you know, in their forties, they got family, they're married. And I'm kind of like, fellas, like, like, while I love the spirit, like going and working for some really good company and getting like checking, clocking out of five and getting like a 401k, like it's yeah. not, that's not the, like, I know people have villainized that, like, oh, you're in the hamster wheel, like find a cool organization. Like I don't necessarily recommend doing what I did because- <laughs> You know, there's what, 7% chance of startups, right? Yeah. You're going to be working way more. There's nothing guaranteed. Like, no. so your family, my, my, your family life might and probably will suffer. You know, there's all these other things that I'm like, just, just know what you're signing up for. And if, unless you're, you know, I, I always say, unless you're staring at the ceiling every night, like thinking about it and it's occupying your mind, like then, then, then probably don't do it. Um, so, you know, the stress hundred percent, you know, as you know, the problems just evolve. They never stop. Yeah. You know, there's, and as you get bigger and bigger, they're just different. So and you guys have probably sure dealt with this. It's like you get big enough. Now you're like fighting off like lawsuits because people are just see paychecks and they just think you're going to settle for 80 grand. And, and I'm like, no, we're not. I'll blow 150 just to prove a point, but I'm not settling because they have some BS claim. And I'm sure you guys have had tons of oh, those. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? So you see it as like a giant checkbook. Right? Yeah. Right. Like, so hey, you guys are doing well. I'm gonna, I I was just having this conversation the other day. I've never actually been sued for anything I've done. It's always been like fictional horseshit. Exactly. Like every time. And uh, like one of these days it would be just refreshing to be like, oh yeah, fuck, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> like, let me, let, let me yeah. pay you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, wouldn't that be great? Yeah, so the, obviously it, 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 the problems never stop. Um, and, you know, I would say 5% of the time there like there's cool stuff happening, but I feel like the other 95% as a founder, you're just literally like, like, you know, kind of fending off problems, um, and just kind of shifting your tactics, like as, as you get bigger and bigger and you know more that way more than me because you went public and I'm sure, you know, that's a fascinating thing. I'd love to know more about at some point, but, um, but yeah, you know, obviously I think what I learned and is like, I had to compartmentalize the jobs, right? So like mm -hmm. I would go to the, you know, I guess you call it the day job or the night job, depending on you know, what we're doing. <laughs> night job. <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously a different stress, you're briefing people, you're obviously actually doing the job. And, um, you know, even just obviously the training is super meant to be super stressful. So your, your central nervous system gets smoked, but then I get smoked. back to the hotel and it'd be 1130 at night. And we're getting up at five to go to the gym before we do the next day of training. And I have like, you know, 60 emails I need to cover down on. Right. Yeah. So when everyone else was like, you know, eating and going to bed, I'm like, I'm, I'm, my new day is starting. Right. So I would have to shut off the stress of the day I just had and be like, okay, now I need to focus in on this or, you know, on deployments, we're doing zoom calls at two o'clock in the morning because like that's LA time. You know what I right. mean? I'm like 11 hours ahead in the middle East. You know what I mean? So it, it was just, thank God I was, you know, I was actually on the diesel brothers podcast and one of the guys put it so well, I, I was dumb enough. I wasn't too smart to realize like how, 
logically stupid this was, but I wasn't like too dumb to not be able to pull it off. <laughs> yeah. I was just like that perfect middle ground of <laughs> yeah. dumb, dumb yeah, enough yeah, yeah, yeah. to be like, yeah, 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 I guess this is just what we're doing. When like, you know, had I stepped back and looked at it, I might've been like, man, this is totally nuts. Like you should go to bed and not be doing this. Um, so, so I thought, I mean, that was the biggest thing is just being able to like compartmentalize. All right, that job's done for now. I'm going to switch to, you know, deal with the stresses of this job. And then I'm going to lock that up and go back and forth. Um, and of course, sometimes there are overlap, you know, if you get a text message and it is like, oh, these people are trying to sue us now. Like there was a big apparel brand that tried to sue us once and right. it was still in the garage days. Like I took them on myself. You know what I mean? Like I, I we couldn't afford a lawyer. You know what I mean? So I was like, all right. I, I, I went back through my old like pre-law notes. <laughs> you, went, you went back to your pre-law Dude, I notes? I did. I, Bob Dunn, he was the professor. Oh I, I went, I found my old notes and there were three partners on the call and I'm, I'm, and I would like kind of made fun of, I was like, you guys are probably each billing a thousand dollars an hour. So like, I think it's all like in our best interest to just like, let's walk through this quickly for the sake of your client. They're representing obviously this big program. Right, yeah. And I basically cited all the reasons why like there actually was no merit to their argument. And I cited like legal precedent and they, at the end of the call, they were like, damn. So I was like, hey, here's what we'll do. There's definitely no harm here, but what I'm willing to do is like, let's pick a charity and let's each donate 10 grand to charity and let's shake hands and be done with this. And I, so I said, that's my offer. And, you know, if you, you know, otherwise let's, we'll just go to court and, right. you know, I'm not someone that folds. So, you know, probably not my best interest, but that's what we're going to do. And they came back and they're like, Hey, we actually really like your, you know, like that's actually a cool thing. So we ended up doing that. So, you know, I was like, you know, this is like, while well, I'm on a deployment, like working this legal Holy issue, shit. you know what I mean? I'm on a yeah, call. Yeah. And so that's just the, you know, you know, man, that's just the, the you got to be really agile and just deal with things as they come in. Um, so, but I'm glad I did it. You know, I'm glad I, again, I was dumb enough to do it. Um, and now here we are. Yeah, it's it it's fascinating actually. Like the successful entrepreneurs, and you think about the books that people read. And I mean, I've read I don't know how many different books on like business and entrepreneurship. The one thing that they don't really cover, and they kind of some of them do, because there's this, this social media hype around like you know keep keep grinding and like this this like bullshit narrative around people that have basically that are putting this out a lot of these guys have been you know, generational wealth and or they were put into positions based on uh, family business or they got lucky. I'm like, and there is luck. Don't get me wrong. There is a certain amount of luck in, in this, but what most people don't cover is you have to be willing to grind yourself into fucking moon dust. And when you don't think you have anything left, you got to put more in. Yeah. And so when you hit the wall and you will, like you'll hit the wall multiple fucking times and sometimes multiple times a day, the biggest fucking thing that I, I, I've been able to kind of come back to is it's like in 1997, I went to special forces assessment and selection and everybody asked me, it's like, Oh, how do you, uh, what, what, do you have any advice? Do you have anything that you could tell people for, you know, special forces assessment and selection? And I was like, yeah, don't quit. Like, don't quit. Like if your body fails, that's a totally different story. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you blow out a fucking, you know, you, you, you blow a fucking knee or you tear a fucking, you know, a, a ligament or you, you're, you're injured to the point where your body cannot move. Okay. But even then you got to try. Yep. Make it's them like, drop you medically. Yeah. Make them. Yeah. But if you don't quit. Yeah. And I think business and entrepreneurship is a lot from my perspective it's, you know, it's triaging your time, understanding how you're going to get an ROI into your investments of your, your time. And then two, don't quit. So it's like triage, 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 don't quit, triage, 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 don't quit. And it's a fucking constant reminder. Mm -hmm. That's why I think soft guys 
gravitate towards it because I, and actually there's, there's an interesting point of data from, uh, veteran startups have a higher success rate to the point of three X than wow. civilian. Wow. So it's, it's in the 20%. So veteran startups actually and veteran entrepreneurs have been more successful statistically than their civilian counterparts, which part of that I think is because you're, at least for me, I was really fucking sick of working for other people. I was like, I will never work for another person as <laughs> yeah. long as I live. Yep. I will the never military have, will do that yeah, to you. Yeah. I will never yeah. have a fucking stupid person <laughs> in control of my life ever again. I will never have a low-level bureaucrat or Congress or anyone else weigh in on my whether or not I, I, I can succeed or fail. I will fucking succeed or fail on my own merit yeah. and never again. Or telling you to shave and get a haircut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you're like, <laughs> when you're like, dude, I don't even have any water to drink and you're asking me to fucking shave my face. It's so stupid. And I, I, I think, you know, kind of going back to my, my question, it's like, like you're, the way that you're coping with growth and evolving the company and the way that you coped with what we'll call it stress have they changed or are there things that you've you've learned from being in the teams and now that you've taken into your 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 business that are directly helping i think i'm becoming a little bit more aware of balance you know what i mean because yeah. i got a you know, i got a daughter now she's about to be three so like you you have to force balance there right mm -hmm. because like i could stay at the office till eight nine o'clock at night like i used to or like be on the computer till midnight and do all that stuff but like um, I think the challenge with type A people is a lot of components of su success are people see them as the measurable things like your financial success, your business success. Like there's measurable, yeah, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Whereas like if you, if you're present with your family, that doesn't show up on some stat sheet where you're like, Oh, look how successful I am. Right. Even though it's a critical thing in the wheel of success, I think that should be a major sliver in it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But since it's not tangible, I think people that are particularly kind of wired, maybe how we are that it's like it can potentially be on, you know, left on the back burner because we're so like focused on, mm. you know, building the, the, the measurable things. So I think that's the biggest thing I had to adjust now that I'm a dad. Um, I don't think I'm any less stressed. I'm probably actually more stressed because I think being in the teams was a good distraction from the business stresses because like I'd have to just shelve that problem. Like, all right, well, we're doing CQC now. So like, right. I'm, you know, we're just, this is what I'm doing. I'm not thinking about that when we're doing house runs, you know what right. I mean? Um, but now it's like a gas that fills any space it occupies. Like now born primitive just has <laughs> filled the entire space. I like that. You know it's what I like mean? like a gas that fills yeah. all the, yeah, um, it's really you know good. what I mean? We used to say that about mission planning. It's like, yeah. if we could chalk this up in the dirt in 30 minutes, or you give us 48 hours to build out an, a con op or an op board, like we will spend, we will be changing the last slide a minute before we do it. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just, you know what I mean? When we could have yeah. given you the 90% solution on the whiteboard in, mm -hmm. five, in 30 minutes, you know yeah. what I mean? Same thing. Um, but so I think I've, I've had to like realize as I've gotten older, like I got to focus on wellness a little bit more. Like I have a cold tub at the house and a sauna and I'm like focusing on sleep hygiene and, and nutrition and work. Like, it's not like I never was healthy, but like when you're 26, you know, you can go out with the boys and drink 900 beers and still get up at six and like perform, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And, and be good to go. And I'm realizing that life, it definitely has come and gone yeah. and I need to be more dialed in because if I do that, then I'm dragging ass the next day. And like, you know, then, so I, uh, I've had to, I've had to kind of learn just honestly, just grow up a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, I've noticed that too. Like, like I always put this as like sleep is the cornerstone of your next day. And it's like the foundation of whether or not you're going to put out. So if I sleep like shit, then I'm not going to work out or I'm not going to work out as hard. Then 
I'm, I'm, I don't have the discipline in my diet. Like there's just like this, 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 I would say domino effect of negativity. You lose momentum. Yeah, man. And so now I have to concentrate. Like, you know, I get up every fucking night after five hours. Like it doesn't matter. doesn't matter like five and a half, five, five and a half hours. Like I am up for some reason. So I have to put myself back to sleep for another two, two hours. And I'm like seven and a half. That's my minimum. Like, so you actually have to build this stuff, at least from my perspective, you have to build it in like you're training. You have to say, no, just like you would be, you know, in the gym or just like you would be another rep or, Hey, I've got, I've got to get four miles in today, whatever that might be. You got to go, no, dude, I got to get for me. I got to go, I, get, I got to get seven and a half hours or cognitively. I can't function at my best the next day. And if I don't get a workout in like, like my morning routine is like my morning routine. Like nobody fucks with it. It's blocked off on my calendar. Like from six to eight, I wake my kids up at seven. So I've got from six in the morning where I like get all my shit together. Yep. I go through all my lists. I'm like, all right, this is what's happening the next day. These are the things I have to be looking at. I really get a workout in. I wake up the kids. My wife goes through and, you know, she cooks breakfast every morning. Kids go off to school. I finish my workout. Like it's a rhythm and it's a fucking battle rhythm. Mm-hmm. And if I get thrown off of that thing, that's why I, now I try not to travel as much because I get thrown off. Big time. And- if I get five hours of sleep, I am dog shit. Whereas the first five years of this business, I didn't get more than five hours of sleep. I, I didn't get more than five hours of sleep, period, ever. Like my adult life. So I have to like retrain myself every day. Yeah, it's good, man. Yeah, I'm same, exact same scenario. You know what I mean? Because like I said, back in the day, I'd be out in a hotel room two o'clock in the morning doing a Zoom call with like a law firm or, you know what I mean? Yeah, or, yeah. A, or our ad agency that's in LA or whatever it was. Uh, I'd go to bed at 3.30 and then we're up at like seven mustering, you know, to go train, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, that's just what you did, you know? But glad, glad those days are past me and, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more uh, aware of that wellness. And that's why, like, I see a lot of this stuff on the internet. I'm sure you see it too, of like this, like grind, grind, grind. And like, you only need four hours. And I'm saying like, guys, just physiologically, that's horrible advice. Like what, horrible advice. Like, no, don't, don't, like, because then these people that don't know any better are going to believe that. Mm-hmm. And they think like now that's the standard. And it's like, as you can be very successful and get eight hours of sleep every night, just be very, be very deliberate with your time and, right. and just f- don't waste it doing things that aren't going to like advance whatever you're trying to achieve. You know what well, I mean? And yeah, there's, there's probably a less than 1% of what we'll call it the, human population that can function cognitively and successfully for a long period of time on four hours of sleep. Okay. That's fine. That doesn't mean that you can, doesn't mean that I can. And it also doesn't mean that they're going to perform the best in every category of their life. So to your point, work-life balance, like my, I get this question a lot, like work-life balance, my, my kids and my family are, are number one priority. Like the business is always going to be there. Like the business, the business is always going to be there. But if I don't have and take the time to invest back in my family, which is, I I call it the last minute perspective, which is the last minute of my life, I'm not going to be fucking thinking about whether or not I should have been in a board meeting or whether I should have taken another Zoom call or whether I should have done another all hands or whatever it might Mm be. I'm going to be thinking, man, I wish I would have got maybe a few more hugs when my kids were like five, six, seven you know, maybe I should have spent a little bit more time. So I have to triage my time against that, make sure that I'm not only available, but I'm present. So it's not just like being there. That's also not the thing. Yeah. Like you can be a fucking warm body. That's cool. They're never going to remember their mattress either. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They sleep on it every night, but it's just, you know, it's, 
it's an insignificant portion of their life. So it's like plugging in, being present in their life. It's fucking huge. Yeah, and I think a good way to look at it is like, all right, if you were to remove, like for you, if, if you were to remove Black Rifle Coffee, like is is there a, is there a huge void in your life or is there enough, you know, meaningful things that you'd still be like, okay, like I, you know, I still have a, a meaning, uh, you know, and a purpose here. And I think from what I've seen with a lot of guys from the special operations community, and it's, I think it's due to our personalities and how we're wired, but guys are so dedicated to the job for 20 years that like, you know, they're missing their kid's softball game to come in on the weekend and go, go into their cage and like mess with their gear. Right. And right, like yeah. to get ready for the next training block or whatever it is. And they're always like the job always comes first. And I, like, obviously I, I respect that. Like they're trying to be proficient and have a good reputation. You know what I mean? Like, like we all were, yeah. but it's like, you see these guys, they retire at 20 years. They've been divorced twice. They got three kids. They don't have a good relationship with any of them. Um, because for 20 years they were so dedicated to the job and it's like, guys, eventually that job is gone. You need to prepare for that moment because yeah. when it does happen, the, the, your family and all these other things are going to be important. Right. Because, and unfortunately I think guys learn that the hard way and then they have this huge identity crisis. And I, I hate to say it. I think that's a big reason why we lose a lot of guys to suicide. Oh, yeah. Um, so to, the fact that you have that awareness and, and hopefully more people even listening, like reflect on that because if you were to whatever you're pursuing whatever you're trying to conquer right now if you were to remove that tomorrow how, how what do the other aspects of your life look like uh and hopefully they're they're you know they're they're good to go and they're green but you know if that check engine light is, is on and you know what i mean they're yellow like put some more time into that because like you said those other things and last minute of your life that shit won't matter no it won't i think you know i i've talked about this a little bit on the podcast which is i think that military guys they continue to have an existential crisis because their identity is completely tied into their job. Um, I, you know, I have more familiarization with the soft community, but it happens whether you're in the Marine Corps or the army or regardless of service, but definitively my peer group, you know, they get tied into this identity, like we, green beret, right? It's like, but that's a fucking hat, dude. That's not you. Like, that's not, that's not who you are. That's a, that's your profession. That's, as you're transitioning into your civilian life, they're they're going through this existential crisis. Which, by the way, I mean this is not new. This is you know 2,500 years old as far as like what's the meaning of life? Why am I here? These are the most weighted thoughts that we're going to either feel or have, whether or not you're cognitively or intellectually able to diagnose this, and then ultimately go forward and then solve the problem. You're still going through an existential crisis, and you know, definitively, like SEALs, you know, Green Berets, Delta Force guys or whomever, when they when they get out, there will be a time and not only there will be, but if they don't solve that before they get out, they're going to have a fucking problem. They will, 100%. Yeah, we were talking about this the other day and I think it, for me, the, 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 the two things that you need to fill almost immediately is, is you need to find a new, a new purpose and hopefully it, family's part of that, right? Like that's a great purpose, but awesome. I feel like, you know, we were dudes that just want to conquer thing, like find a new thing that, 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 you know, that occupies that part of you that needs to kind of chase things right. uh, and then find community again. You know what I mean? Like if it's your local church, I mean, shit, join a beer league softball team, like whatever it is to get you around people again. That Cornhole. Are, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, don't, yeah. don't think you have to find, just, just get in, just get back in the mix and, and find a group of people who you can relate to. And um, and you know how a lot of guys just isolate, right. And they just yeah. suffer in silence and it's like, just get out there, man. And, and you're not going to find the same community probably ever again, but 
you can find a lot of good people. It'll just be different, but it's still community and it's, it, you know, purpose too is so critical. Yeah. And that's, and that's the beauty of, of starting a business because you also get to build your own tribe around a business. And uh, once again, well, I'll put out the disclaimer, which is it's not for everybody. So don't, don't, yeah. don't take this as like, I'm going to go start this so I can build my own culture. I think for a lot of other, for a lot of entrepreneurs, this solves a problem because you're building a culture and a commitment to a mission around your principles, your values, and you can, you can attract other people into your orbit and build your own universe and essentially, and that helps. I think one of the big reasons why we collectively at Black Rifle do some of the things we do. So we go out and like people can see us like we're, we're going out, you know, jumping or we're, you know, going out and shooting long range or we're going out and we're shooting archery and we're doing all these different things because I'm trying to get the community to get turned on to these different tribes. And it might, you know, like jumping might not be your thing. Okay, that's fine. Archery might not be your thing. Okay, that's fine. Long range precision. That's fine. But fucking find something. Yeah. Like it could be. And I was trying to have this conversation with the guy the other day because he was struggling. And I was like, what do you like to do? What did you like to do when you were a kid? He's like, oh man, I really like to draw. I was like, well, you should fucking take art lessons and start painting. You know, like MacArthur was a painter. Okay. Patton was a fucking painter. Oh, I didn't know that. Churchill was a painter. Like uh, Eisenhower was a painter. They were all painters. They would paint for an active form of meditation. I was like telling him this. He's like, really? Like, yeah, man. Like there's some really badass motherfuckers just because it's not perceived today socially as something that badasses do. doesn't mean that you can't do it, right? Mm -hmm. And make it, make it badass. Like make it something that's yours. And who the fuck cares? If you like it and nobody else does, it doesn't fucking matter. Who cares? Exactly. Yeah. So what's next for Born Primitive, man? So we got a few, um, so we started as a fitness brand in the, in the early days. We still are. I mean, that's our bread and butter. We launched Born Primitive Outdoor a year and a half, year and a half yeah. ago. So we're kind of like going after that Western hunting crowd. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of your extended field stay, like layering system. Um, so that's been awesome. I mean, we partnered up with Aaron Snyder and we're, we're yeah. you know, he helped us design everything. That's and great. it's been really cool to learn kind of this space. You know, that's, you know, why I'm out here. We went to the Western Hunt Expo yeah. and just a really honestly, just patriotic group of people and just, just good people, man. Um, so we're, we're, we rolled that out and then in October, so just recently we launched, um, Born Primitive Tactical. Mm-hmm. So we made basically op camis for military oh, and law cool. enforcement. And it was basically just stemming from a need that I thought some of the gear we were getting issued was subpar. And then like the companies that were getting gear for us, like didn't actually support the warfighter, man. Like they were, no. they were, and, and I was like, I, you know, as a new guy, I was like, <laughs> Patagonia. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Um, and I've talked about that on our podcast too. And it's like, it was, it was so crazy to me that like, you have like, you know, you know, these were supposed to be, you know, tip of spear, whatever yeah, you want to call yeah. it. And we, we finally get your gear load out as a new guy. And I'm like, this is the company that's like, we're all repping for free, not only for free, but they're like getting hundreds of millions of dollars to, for us to wear it. So early on, you know, that planted a seed of like, eventually when I have the bandwidth, I'm going to do this, but more just the mobility, like a lot of mm-hmm. stuff we were wearing, like we couldn't move in, we we're blowing out the crotch as you, you know, I'm sure you have yeah, I spent the entire invasion of Iraq without a, uh, a with a giant hole in my groin. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. We've all seen it. Uh, I think one year, the first loadout, the, the sleeves were sewn on backwards of the up, up tops. I swear to God, they were, so guys had to chop them, but the, the sleeves still pointed like backwards. Cause yeah, it was yeah. like, you know what I mean? It was just like, this is, this blew me away, but that was also true for the, the layering system we got for yeah. like the, the, you know, the being out in the woods and shit and, the, and kind of cold weather stuff you got. 
So that planted the seeds. So that's gone off really well, man. Um, we obviously have the advantage of having a lot of the guys in town that can like tea and eat it. And yeah. like, you know, we're, so we're, we're still really close to the community. Uh, and then just launched our shoe. Um, it's a training shoe. It's called the Savage One. So that's been huge. We launched that in June. That was kind of a whole new lane for us. Kind of high risk, you know, it's, a, it's yeah. expensive. The minimum orders are massive. The lead times are long. It's one of those things. It's such a technical thing. Like you yeah. only got one shot at it. So we, we developed that for about two years. I was super like, you know, we, we went through like seven or eight rounds of prototypes. Oh, but that again, you're, I don't think you're a legitimate apparel company until you have footwear. So I was mm -hmm. fine, like, all right, I finally got it. And now that I have the bandwidth, I got to take a swing at this. Right. Um, and then the podcast, which has been fun. That's, you know, just like this, it's a way to, you know, long form content, go a little deeper on stuff, mm -hmm. you know, go down rabbit holes or random topics. And that's been fun. So yeah, that's kind of the, what's going on right now. And, you know, we're, we're probably hopefully on the horizon, you know, two to three years. I want to take on our first investment. Yeah. Um, we were kind of in the private equity game last year and it fell through because the banks all like, you know, got all crazy and the debt market went to shit and yeah, went horrible. So yeah. I basically, I don't want to say wasted a year cause I, I learned a ton from the process, but, um, you know, the plan is to kind of reverse engineer an outcome and, you know, probably take on a minority investor, you know, in about two to two and a half years. Um, so that's part of the reason what's motivating a lot of these things is I want to be more investable. So like, mm -hmm. you know I mean? Having multiple kind of brands under one portfolio helps. And then, you know, we're, we're going after big retail right now too. So yeah, are you guys in retail right now? We're not a ton. We're mainly direct to consumer, but we're in like the Navy exchanges and okay. like the Coast Guard yeah, yeah. exchanges and it's going really well. So we just brought in a guy who is big in the retail space who came from another company and like he's basically going to like try to make it happen. And he, he sees big opportunity because the numbers and like the sales velocity in these accounts is, is killing. Right. Um, we just don't have the experience of the bandwidth to really go after it like you should. And you know, retail, like that's a whole nother, you know, beast that there's a beast. lot of landmines and you got to be careful. So yeah. like I wanted to wait till we were ready, but and I was like, all right, it's the 10 years mark. We've generated a lot of demand for the brand over the years with all the things we've done. So like we're ready to go into retail and capture more of that demand, not mm -hmm. just online. Um, so that'll be fun. Hopefully it hits. We're literally like just in the early stages of it right now. Yeah. The, you know, so when you're looking at your growth, is, is most of your growth going to come from incremental categories that you're adding? Or do you have one specific uh, category that's, that's contributing most of the growth? I think it'll be interesting. I I think outdoor and tactical just have massive potential. Yeah. Um, one thing I didn't mention was with outdoor and tacticals, we're actually going to over government after government right, contracting. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, that's just a whole nother world. It's craziness. So we're, we're working on getting Barry compliant. So yeah. like, I think a bunch of our stuff, we're going to get made in Tennessee. Um, that will allow us to sell to the government. Um, but it's like, you get a couple of those contracts, man. It's like you, the, the whole dynamic, of your business immediately. I mean, it's wild. It's wild. Um, so we're, we're going down that road. Um, so I think if that hits and retail hits, um, and, and obviously our direct consumer channel continues mm -hmm. to grow like it has been, um, hopefully in two and a half years, we'll, we'll get a bidding war. Right. Um, and, and for me, like I've always been hesitant to take on investment. Part of it's just cause I'm stubborn and I was like, oh, we don't need anyone's money. Like I, we wanted, I really wanted to maintain the integrity and the values of our company. You know, we're very patriotic. We don't apologize for, you know, standing for the flag. And you know, the, I was just I think I had this thing in my head. If I go to private equity, all of a sudden I'm have these dudes in suits from New York, like running my company. And I know yeah. th they're obviously, there can be truth to that, but if you find the right partner and you know what I mean, mm -hmm. it, there's absolutely can be a force multiplier. And I think that's something like, had I, could I go back and do it again? I probably would have done that sooner um, because I think it could have, you know, made our trajectory accelerate, but yeah, we've I, had to bootstrap the whole thing from the day, you know, from day one, which is good and bad, but it's good you know. and bad. Like, you know, we spent the first, uh, five years of the business, 
Um, I took a minority, non-controlling, like 10% of the company on um, through private equity back in the day. And it only directly enhanced the business. So he didn't, my, my partner, Steven over there is still my partner today. He's one of my best friends. Like I, I fucking love the guy and you know, he thinks about business differently. He's helped me over the past five years, you know, he's, he's helped me recruit, you know, different financial talent. So CFOs and things like that. He stays within his very distinctly within his subject matter expertise. And he only directly contributes value. And we built a really powerful friendship over this entire thing through business, like just reps and reps and reps. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll go down and like hang out with him and he's got a, you know, he's got a place in California and he's, he's been in business. He's had like 50 fucking different businesses that he's been involved in. He's taken a bunch of them public. Like he's, he's done a lot of, he's got a lot of reps. He's like 60 years old, you know, like, but he's awesome. Like, and so I have a different experience, but I interviewed 23 different guys wow. coming through the company, like back in the day. And if they showed up in like a, you know, an Egyptian cotton, you know, shiny cufflink shirt. I'd be like, get the fuck. Like, you, they didn't, they didn't yeah. even pass. You already knew. You already Whereas knew. like <laughs> this dude shows up and he's like wearing vans and jeans <laughs> nice. and like a, he's wearing a Jansport backpack. And I was like, yeah, we could probably work together. You nice. know, like, yeah, fuck yeah. We could probably work together. Uh, because you know, he's obviously done a lot of business and he's very casual. Whereas like, that's for me, I, I only care about the experience, I don't care about the fucking shiny watch. Like yeah. shiny watch guys, they freak me out either way. I'm like, nah, not really my people either way. I grew up super blue collar. I can't really have a bunch of like shiny shirts and shiny watches cruising around here. It's just culturally it mismatches. Totally. You know what I mean, yeah, no. And, and I think that's what I'm realizing now. And we, the partner we had lined up who we might still work with, they were great. They're actually from out here, you know, um, you know, Utah people and just oh, cool. great dudes. And, um, I was actually just skiing with them yesterday in park nice. city. So yeah, it's got to go beyond just, you know, the business, you know, if people you need to have relationships with. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, we're, we're going for it. You know, we got that, that, that date circled on the calendar. Um, but you know, hopefully the, the plan comes together and we'll mm -hmm. kind of optimize that moment. But the, as you know, the deal market right now is just awful. Oh, it's awful. So we're man. waiting it out. You know, I'm like, yeah. all right, let's, let's take a, let's take a knee. Well, let's let that shit blow over. And then in the background, let's optimize. I think everybody's in the same situation. I mean, the, you know, capital is expensive. So for those of you who don't understand, like, which is like, totally fine because you might not be in business. I mean, you do see it in interest rates across the board. Well, Business is no different. Money's just more expensive than it was three years ago. And you've got a lot of money on the sidelines. It's waiting. So small mid-cap businesses aren't being invested in. They're waiting. They're waiting for interest rates to stabilize, for mm -hmm. the economy to come back together. I have a feeling that um, the administration is probably going to decrease. Uh, and mark my words on this calendar because I, I feel like this is probably going to happen uh, as we get close to the presidential election. The They're interest dropping. rates are going to come down, yeah. uh, magically yeah. come down. Yeah, At like you know? 50 basis points. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. right? So they're <laughs> going to come down, and then you're going to see uh, what I would see is, is, is more capital come into to small mid-cap businesses. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's my opinion, but it's also the opinion of a lot of other people as well. It's not, not just Evan talking, but it's just kind of, it's depressing to think about it because when you think about it, well, we don't need to get into an economics discussion over inflation, but it's like they're fucking killing small business right now. Like they're yeah. fucking killing it. And, you know, if you're profitable, like you'll survive. Like that's like 
batting the hatches down. That's what I told everybody a year and a mm-hmm. half ago. I was like, batting the fucking hatches down. Like, this is going to be a rough ride, fellas. And like, put in your mouthpieces and get ready for the next couple of years because it's going to be fucking rough. And psychologically, you know, as a, as a, as a couple of guys here running companies, when you don't have access to capital, like relatively inexpensive capital, dude, it hurts. It fucking hurts. It's, and it's, it's like a gunfight. <laughs> like you got to squeeze it out every day and it doesn't get any easier to your point. I was going to, I was going to say this earlier. Business hasn't really changed. The complexity of the problem has, and the problems change. And I look at this a lot like diving, which is if you're, you know, diving, scuba diving at fucking 30 feet, it's different than when you're scuba diving at 150 feet. Same, same principles mm-hmm. apply, yep. but the consequences of you making a fucking bad decision at 150 feet versus the, you making a bad decision at 30 feet, completely different. Same dive, same decision matrix, but if you fuck up at 150, it's a different type of fucking dive now. And that's the way that I've looked at the bigger business. So the bigger the business gets, the deeper on the yeah, dive I am, right? Great analogy, man. Yeah, there's just more, maybe more zeros on the decimal places on the <laughs> yeah. mistake, right? Or on the upside, it's, yeah. you know, yeah, it's you t- so well put, man. You can't just like yeah. pop to the top. Yeah, and but I think the, the, the cool thing is like, you have to approach it the same way. Like if you're doing a COA analysis and then like you talked about risk mitigation, like it's still the same mental process of making a call. So if you're, you know, bootstrapping a business and it's only three month old, that's the same decision that you as a CEO of a publicly traded company is making. Same. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's just, there's more weight and you, you got to be confident because you do carry that burden now, man. Uh, particularly for me, and I'm sure you feel the same way, like when you're in charge of employing a lot of people, some you know people have moved across the country and moved their families to work for us. You know, my brother just moved across from Chicago, brought his whole family. He's our CFO now. Like that's a lot of pressure, man, that's because if I, you know run my big fat mouth and say something stupid on a podcast or, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, so you, you got to be a lo- little bit more cognizant of, uh, of, but, but you can't become timid because the, no. the problem's bigger. So, um, no, it's, it's like, it's like stepping into the fray every day and it's like the courage that it's just, you, you got to face it every day. Like there are days when I'm like, fuck, man. Like there are days when I, I, was, I was having this conversation with somebody who's like, I rolled out of bed the other day. I was like, man, I don't want to make, I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. And I made 15 phone calls. I was like, I, I didn't want to fucking, dude, I didn't want to talk to anybody. The only thing I wanted to do was like, like literally work from my computer and like, you know, make adjustments on designs and like really, and, and people think they're, they probably think like, oh man, it's so nice. I'm like, dude, I get up every day. And what I, what I told people was like, I have to eat my vegetables first. It's like before I move on to fucking dessert, like you gotta have, you gotta hammer your vegetables. And if you're on the carnivore diet, you still get the analogy. <laughs> um, it's like you gotta get it done, and you gotta do shit every day that you don't want to do. That's like painstakingly difficult. And whether you think that it's just fucking, you know, easy peasy, like it's not. It's brutal. I made 15 fucking phone calls. Actually, was that you? I was telling you that. Like, or I, was that you, Heston, or was it somebody else? No. But anyway, I think uh, you got a plane to catch. I don't want to make you late for it. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Um, final thoughts. And, well, Best books you've you've read in the last ten years. Dude, it put me on the spot here. I, Come on, man, I, you're I, a yo grad. I need to do better at books. I'll put it that <laughs> way. It, it, um, 
I just started reading Arate. Um, I don't know if Arate? You, yeah, What's that? Um, it's, it's Brian Johnson. He mm-hmm. basically like studied a bunch of, he's basically combining like the knowledge of like ancient philosophers with like modern science and breaking down in very digestible, like quick chapters. Like he's been, he's read like 5,000 books and basically gives oh. you the cliff notes. And he's oh, just like, like he, just, he speaks to like, you know, so calm and like he's a right. big leader. Like it's so I'm just starting in that. I just started reading it on the plane, but it looks okay. awesome. And Brian came on our podcast and he's the dude's like, he, he's awesome. You should really? actually consider getting him on. He's, he just spoke at NSW, like with all the, like the Commodores and shit. Send him over here. Um, but he's awesome. Um, so I'm, I'm starting that one, but dude, I got to do better at the, at the, the professional development. I'm so down. I'll, I'll give on, you a couple of recommendations yeah. offline. Um, brother, thank you so much. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. And, hey, I just want to say, man, like what you guys have built, like you, you, I know you're down and in on, on solving problems, but if you zoom out, like what you guys have built, you should be so proud of. I use you guys as an, as an example all the time with my employees. They're probably getting sick of it because it's probably <laughs> weekly. I use you guys in Red Bull. Um, but for you guys, you know, standing for strong values, you know, you created this phenomenon of, of you know, you were the first ever coffee company that started to identify with normal dudes like me that said, Oh, like, those are my people. Like, you know what I mean? And you provided a substitute for, you know, other coffee companies. And like, I, I think what you have done is brilliant. And obviously the team that's, you know, that's around you, they all deserve credit too, but your brand, I always talk to the team of like building a brand. That's what is defendable, right? Like the, you know, someone can knock off coffee tomorrow and, and make an easy yeah, substitute. We just like for us, they can make great leggings and sports bras, whatever else, op camis, whatever. Um, but the brand is what you can defend at the end of the day. And you guys have spent years building that. And like, you guys have a goddamn fortress around that right now. So hopefully that'll give you some peace of mind. Like when you're jumping, you're solving all these problems, like, dude, you guys have a fucking castle around your brand. And like, there are patriots all over the country that are going to always be loyal to that. And I just want to, you know, it's so cool to see the story, especially the beginning. And, you know, we, you and I have similar stories, but you guys are five more rungs up on the ladder. I just, I just want to say, you know, as a, as a brand guy, like mad respect and, Thanks, and I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, you guys continue to do your thing. And I know publicly traded now, I'm sure that's a yeah. whole, whole new ball game, but Hey, um, there's opportunity there. And, um, like you see, you know, the problems just evolve, right. You just um, evolve, man. So right. just, I just want to say, you know, congrats and, 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 and keep, keep rocking, keep staying true to who you guys are. And I know, you know, there's so many Americans across the country that, that it's a breath of fresh air to get that, um, cause I feel like, you know, corporate America, a lot of people aren't really represented, you know, in what, in what they see. And it was no. just, you know, it, it seems like such an obvious thing, but what you guys did is brilliant. Um, and, uh, I think you're starting to see more of that, um, you know, from other brands and we're trying so. to be one of them too. And that's yeah. why I use you guys as an example all the time. It's like, Hey guys, we should, we should never be afraid of being patriotic and supporting our country for law enforcement. That was a big one for a while when things got a little crazy, you know, we had this pressure of like, you know, should we not support law enforcement? It was like, guys, like, this is just who we are. Yeah, Take yeah. it or leave it. And and I, throughout that kind of shit show, I was using you guys as an example of a lot of someone that, Hey, you are who you are. You're authentic. And if people have an issue with that, it's okay. Like, you know, obviously you have choice and there's nothing wrong with that. This is America, right? It's America. Um, so, like, you know, freedom of speech. It's fucking yeah, awesome. Exactly. And yeah. you encourage that. And, you know, obviously there's other alternatives to shop for clothing, but yeah, you guys have, I've, I've, I've used a lot of what I've learned just watching you guys for born primitive. And so, so, so just want to say mad respect, dude. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right. All right. Cool. In and out. An there hour. It is. Thanks, man. Dude. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Anytime.